0: to see what's unfolding being able to get into the community and and find these avenues of just people being able to come together so whether it's what's going on at the hospital what goes on through the food distribution what goes on through the the exercise and the whole all that that is it's just God is actively doing things and I think it's part of the um, I'm not going to use the read the, the I won't say the reset because god doesn't reset god creates That's right. and having come through the pandemic nonsense god's still creating and i think this is as the churches we're we're getting new feet and starting to see how things are moving forward there's just you know the various avenues even with what's going on with what's your voice and just other other ministries that are that are aligned with us each of those things is us getting into the community making an opportunity for people to come to go, come to know jesus which is yes. just thrilling to me um, men going to the retreat bring your own you know bedroll whatever you want to use towels you know your personal items that kind of stuff they don't supply anything when you walk in, the room is bare. So if you want to sleep on a plastic-covered mattress, help yourself. Don't bring anything. You don't have a whole lot to take responsibility for? I get it. But uh, if you want a little more comfort than that, bring it. Just bring it. Um, also, for Chat, Chew, and Connect this month, both times, it'll be at Catherine's house. Check the website, her address will be there. uh, So you can put that in your GPS if you've never been to Catherine's house. So um, we'd love to see you. Uh, One other thing is on uh, with Thrive Culture. Kind of where I've been moving us through and the different things through the videos and so forth, you know, I've, I've said multiple times, in the videos, I'm showing you the macro of economics and what's happening in the kingdom in the world. But each time I'm trying to bring it back to the micro, it's you. It's what are you doing with your finances? It's how are you prospering? What are, what's your understanding of prospering? Um, and so Thrive Culture is actually the first business that the church has started. It's not a, it, Thrive Culture is not a nonprofit. It's a business owned by the church. So when you join Thrive Culture, when you sign up and register, you're you're actually doing two things. One, you're you're registering into your own development in financial understanding and and financial stewardship. So first and foremost, it's for you personally. But secondly, you're actually benefiting the church because the money that Thrive Culture makes through what we offer, dividends from that come back to the church. So it's also a way of selling that way. So if you have not signed up for Thrive Culture, I highly recommend that you do. What I'm doing on Sunday morning is just a snippet of what we offer in Thrive Culture. Um, and there's things that I won't even touch on Sunday morning that we go in depth in Thrive Culture. So it's Thrive is about personal stewardship learning how to to in in money mindset mastery you're shifting from the ways you've thought about money to to a way of thinking about money in a in a prospering way in a wealth creation way so that's the first step but then beyond that is also in business development um, I know that not everybody is cut out to have their own business and that's not a better than or worse than comparison but most of us in my opinion we are cut out to to have at least if we just want to use the term cottage cottage industry but it but one of the things i mean over the over the, you know the since london and i've been married i think i've had i've had Five different corporations, including the one that we currently have. Now, the other four no longer, I closed them out, but the fifth uh, corporation that we have currently is Iona Stables LLC. And if you're gonna, if you, you know, once you start into like developing a cottage industry, you first start with, well, what do you even wanna do? Don't start something you don't wanna do makes no sense what are you good at don't pick the the worst of your abilities and use that as the starting point for a business makes no sense you know what what's in your heart what's your heart's desire you look inward and you go okay what do I what, what do I do what do I have and we all have something that piece I read out of Ephesians God has put already put in us his destiny to be accomplished through you. So it's there. So we start by just what, what's inside of me? What do I need to get out? What do I enjoy doing? You know, I shared the, the story the other day of the, of the girl who took her stimulus check, put it in envelopes, and started doing a podcast about doing the envelope way of budgeting. Now, that's been around before Larry Burkett. I'm telling my age when I mention that name. That's been around for a long time. It's not a new concept. This woman started doing the envelope system on podcasts, and it's now making over a million dollars a year because people are watching her do her budget out of her envelopes on a podcast. Exactly. So it's like, but what did she do? She just looked inside herself. She said, what do I have in front of me that I can do something with? And she just started. Don't be your worst enemy by criticizing yourself into the point of doing nothing. What do you do? What do you like to do? And then start asking the Lord, is this what I should do? And at some point, once you've made that step, the next thing, which I might talk a little bit weeks ahead, but the next thing is you start looking, Okay, am I at the point that I should form an LLC? And you go, well, why should I form an LLC? Because there's tax benefits to forming an LLC. There's things that we get, we have an advantage, a tax advantage, by having Iona Stables LLC that we wouldn't have if we didn't have it. So you need to look at that. You need to talk about that. And and we're going to be doing some, uh, uh, through Thrive Culture, we're going to be doing some business creation Uh, That's like the next step above money mindset mastery. But it all starts by getting your head right. Shift your mind. Shift how you look at money. Shift how you look at prosperity. Shift how you look at wealth. Get a biblical view, foundation there. And then from there, you start to go forward. But please, sign up for Thrive Culture. Okay, Um, let's do the offering since I'm already on that topic. I'm glad two people in the room are excited about that. Yeah. I'm always excited that. Father, we thank you for your, your generosity to us. You are Jehovah Jireh. You are the one that has planned and purposed and placed within us ways for finances and wealth to work not just in our own life but in those around us that everything that you put in us is is enabling us to touch the world around us so thank you for that opportunity thank you for your provision in each of our lives Um, lord thank you that we live within the scope of your providence that is always at work In us and through us. And we give you all glory in our giving. Amen. See, today I made my own notes on the announcements. There you go. I've decided that I just should not be trusting some things to memory. Like how to get home. So today, today we're going to be, uh, you know, it's Mother's Day, so I want to talk about moms and, and, and I want to talk about a little bit in just um, moms and then just women in general. Um, I'm, going to, I'm going to give you all my wisdom about women. It's good for about three minutes. <laughs> We, we took the ladies out for Mom's Day dinner last night. And um, so there's Josh and Kayla, and Heather and Nate, and Linda and I. And for the three guys around the table, we, we kind of passed the comments around because we weren't sure whether we were right or wrong on various things as the evening went on. And. Um, I mean, a lot. Huh? I mean, a lot. Well, we did laugh. I mean,. I figured if I could keep you laughing, you weren't really paying attention to what was going on. So I figured that was a safe place to keep everything, keep the humor rolling. Um, but so, uh, how do we win this? At the end, we have roses for all the ladies here today. So that's what these roses up here are for. So we're going to hand those out. I'll do it at the end. That way, you don't have to have this flower that you're trying to figure out what the heck to do with. And then we have to pick up pedals all week because you beat the thing to death uh, at some point. <laughs> okay, so I want to start. This is, this is some really important things that my mother taught me, uh, and I thought I would pass these along to you. So my mother taught me logic. If you fall off that swing and break your neck, you can't go to the store with me. My mother taught me medicine. If you don't stop crossing your eyes, they're going to freeze that way. My mother taught me to think ahead. If you don't pass your spelling test, you'll never get a good job. My mother taught me ESP. Put your sweater on. Don't you think I know when you're cold? My mother taught me to meet a challenge. What were you thinking? Answer me when I talk to you. Don't talk back to me. My mother taught me humor. When that lawnmower cuts off your toes, don't come running to me. my mother taught me to become an adult if you don't eat your vegetables you'll never grow up my mother taught me about genetics you are just like your father my mother taught me about roots do you think you were born in a barn my mother taught me about the wisdom of the age when you get my age you'll understand she was really right about that one and then shortly thereafter you forget my mother taught me about anticipation just wait until your father gets home My mother taught me about receiving you're going to get it when we get home (laughs) and my old-time favorite thing justice one day when you have kids I hope they turn out just like you and you'll see what it was like (laughs) yes it does yes it does I didn't make all those up. I came across that some time ago and stuck it in my notes because it was just—I just thought it was funny. So I want to—I want to talk a little bit, one, just about moms, and—and and then I—I kind of hesitated to put this in here, but it just seems like it'll fit. So I'm gonna—I'm gonna go with it, and then you all have to decide whether I should have or I shouldn't have. But to begin with, I, so my mom passed away July of last year. So this is our first Mother's day without mom. And so that's different. You get up in the morning and you just you, I realize you think about things differently. I'm not, you know normally, we would have been trying to figure out, we've got to get the moms. I got to get a card because in my mother's world, you could give her a brand new Cadillac. But if it didn't have a card with it, it didn't count. And she only liked the real mushy cards. And I'm one of those people when I go to pick cards out, cards are difficult for me because, like, the first paragraph in the card, I'm like, that's really good. They get to the second one, and I'm like, I don't, I don't, that's not true. So consequently, every now and then, and I I trust nobody in this room has gotten a card from me like that, but sometimes I get to the cards that the only thing I can really say is, have a fine day. (laughs) So I I struggle with cards. But my mom loved the real flowery, mushy. There's some woman that writes the real. No, that's the guy that does the paintings. Kincaid does his as those paintings. But anyway, uh, who was it? <laughs> That's it. That's right. So mom likes her style of writing. So I always had to have the right card. And uh, anything else that you took along, she would kind of like it. But she didn't really care for flowers because they died. She didn't really care for food because then she had to do something with it, like prepare it. We even tried pre-prepared. But it still required taking it out of the box or out of the refrigerator. And that too was a little much. So, But cards, she just always loved cards. So, um, so I would have been you know, looking for the card. And I would have taken her flowers or something. And we would have gone and spent time with her. And especially in these last years where she was homebound, you know, we would have just gone and spent the afternoon or whatever. So I get up this morning and realize none of that is present in my day. And it's the first time it hasn't been present. And then, with my mother's passing, she was the last of that whole generation. She was the patriarch or the matriarch of the family. And she wore that title proudly. She had outlived everybody, and she was going to tell you about it. And as she said, at this station in life, I can say whatever I want. I've lived long enough. (laughs) And she could be good about that. You could tell you, she definitely could tell you what she thought. Um, and so, what is, it, what is it in being a mom? What is it that, uh, what's that intrinsic uh, value in motherhood? Something that I think God breathes. Now, I can, only, I can only give you this from the outside looking in, since I've never had the experience of being a mom. And I must say, I never signed up for it, either. I didn't. Um, but the, the I, I look at my mom, and I realize that as a son to his mother, that there were things that my mom imparted to me, um, even when I didn't really want to listen. But she, you know, she. Moms can often be good at having the capacity to say it more than once, you know. So you get it. And raising a boy, you know, like us guys, you know, our our brains don't even really start firing till we're like twenty-three. <laughs> and <then some>. Yeah. <laughs> so it's it's important to, to tell us things a lot. Because, well just because there's, we, there's no place for it to land in here. It hasn't quite formed and things kind of come in and float back out and moms know that. <laughs> Which is why every now and then I think my mom would wrap me on the back of the head. I think she was just trying to jar something loose so that something would stick. But there's the point where you you realize that my mom instilled in me certain values that I still carry today. And I can look and say I'm really thankful to my mother for those values in my life. Um, And one of those for mom was she was the person that when she made up her mind to do something, she was going to do it. And she would stick to it till the job got done. there were times when I saw that negatively in my mother. But I look back now and I say, that was something she instilled in me that's that's made me a better person throughout my life, and given me the, the capacity to achieve things that I don't think I would have achieved without mom. Not only talking about it, but demonstrating it. Um, just the way she lived her life, uh, even, you know, with the um, uh, with the family dynamics. Now, of course, I you know I was born in '55. My sister was born in '59, so we are kids of the '60s. Me more than my sister. She was just a little punk, and she didn't. She wasn't part of that, but. yeah The other thing my mom instilled in me, um, well, I don't know that she instilled it as much as she just prevented it. Um, it's, you know, my sister needs to thank my mom that she's still alive. Because there were a few years there where, it hung in the balance. I'm like, I'm, I am going to take you out. Is, I've, 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 I've had all I can stand. I'm taking you out. So, but mom seemed to prevent that. But um, so so mothers have this capacity in children. And I, and again, I think this is the way God has created us. I think when, when God looks at the family, Family being a man, a woman, and children. That when he looks at that, it it that is the place that he has chosen to bring himself into the full in fullness on the earth. And of course, Paul alludes to that when he talks about the the marriage. It, it's a mystery and Christ and the church. And th- so there's the mystery side of it, that piece of it. But just in the natural that we we. Um, we as family units, even when the family unit can be pretty dysfunctional, it's amazing what still comes out of it in the, for the children. Not negatively, but, but positively. You know, so it's even there, you can't, it doesn't totally, um, a dysfunctional family doesn't totally mess up the next generation. Because we have this capacity in us, not only to survive, but to thrive. And, and we, we will move on, and given the right opportunities, things will, will blossom, even though in our previous generations, they weren't there. Um, so moms have this place of, of instilling in us, of um, living before us, of saying things, doing things, uh, that, that will, will shape us, for a lifetime and so I'm just I you know I'm just I'm thankful for my mom it took I wasn't uh, uh, there were a lot of years I wasn't there was a lot of years where the relationship was in turmoil but God is a good God and he ultimately brought reconciliation and and the latter years were good years it was we you know as far as I'm concerned mom and I finished well um, and I was able to be, uh, um, what's the right word? We had caregivers that were with mom. But I was able to be a caregiver from a different capacity. I was kind of the administrative caregiver. I didn't really want that title. um, And I didn't really want that responsibility. But you have it nonetheless. And so mom had taught me perseverance. You get the, Once you do get the job, you get the job done. You don't quit, all right? I got the job. I'm not going to quit. So you figure out how to make it work. Um, but in those times, Mom and I probably, in a lot of respects, the last five years of her life, we became closer than at any point during her life. Which, for those of us that have got parents that are still alive, and, and I know I heard this a thousand times and I ignored it almost every one of those times. But, you know, make sure you do spend time with your parents. Make sure you do invest in them, what, however you can, however they'll let you. Not all parents let us in, not all parents make that an easy task. But to the best that you can, just sow in and, and be there and, um, and see what God does. Because he, he will do amazing things when um, when we don't let the offense or unforgiveness block us from the access to our parents' heart. It's not what they're throwing at us, it's just that what we don't throw back. You know, so, and sometimes that's hard, especially in the latter years and especially when parents, are Dealing with levels of dementia and that type of stuff, stuff that gets thrown actually isn't even who they are, it's just part of the disease. Um, but you can't, if you throw it back, you're still the same one. So, don't do that, don't do that. So, on uh, on a, on a little bit broader, and this is the place I was like, I don't know if this is where I should fit this in or not, and I'm not going to go real deep into this today, but, but since we're talking about the ladies, I wanted to give us kind of a historical context for a couple of scriptures. scriptures. Some of these, I don't know if we pay, pay much attention to these verses as we read them, but the first one is, is Luke chapter 8, verses 1 through 3. Soon after he, being Jesus, went on through cities and villages proclaiming and bringing good news of the kingdom of God, and the 12 were with him, and also some women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities, Mary Magdalene, Mary called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had gone out, Joanna, the wife of Cusa, and Herod's of Herod's household manager, and Susanna, and many others who proclaimed Who provided for them out of their means so we can kind of cruise through this verse and feel like it's not a verse that has a whole lot of significance I actually think it has a tremendous amount of significance that Jesus from the very beginning had a whole entourage of women that traveled with him not only traveled with him they had to be women of some some financial stature because they provided things now of course uh, for um, Joanna, her husband kuza is Herod's household manager. I mean, that, that's a pretty high up position, and she's running with Jesus, which probably made for some interesting conversation between kuza and the boss. You know, but still, Jesus and I, I'm positive he was intentional about this. He. Brought women and they were in the closed circle. Now they weren't in the, the, the inner circle of the twelve, but they were in the closed circle. So they had multiple interactions with Jesus, dialogues with Jesus. They had plenty of, of opportunities to interact with him. Uh, and, you know, as I said, these ladies, they were, they some of them probably had businesses of their own. Others, now when I say business of their own, in that culture, they still would have had to been connected through the husband. It wouldn't have been a totally independent business. We'll talk about that in a minute. But still, to have the means to provide for all that was going on, they had to be women, not only of some level of financial uh, wealth, but they had to be sharp in the managing of money. I don't. I don't think they. You know, Jesus just turned around and said, "Can you run home and get another bag of coins?" <laughs> you know. Oh yeah, yeah. Jesus, I'll go get some more. No, I think. I mean, these were women that knew their stuff. So I don't. I don't think we should pass over that. I don't think we should pass too quickly. That, that you know, in this uh, in this world where Jesus was at, and we're going to come to that in a moment but in this world where he was at that he would start from the beginning drawing women to himself and creating a inner circle of ladies who traveled with him were were uh, involved in the ministry that he was doing so he's going from town to town they're going with him so that that in itself just creates a world of tension between Jesus and and the Pharisees, because no good rabbi would have a group of women traveling with him, because we all know what y'all are doing, and it ain't ministry. (laughs) So Jesus creates, he intentionally creates this offense. Um. I'm going to try. So when Jesus came the reason why he did this I think when Jesus came so let me let me back up. So Garden of Eden, the exit from Eden, there's a curse. Right? So the curse is 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 in effect. Now, and I don't want to get into all this today, but The curse that they were under, it's not so much like God said, okay, bam, there's a curse. You're going to have to live with it. This is is the way it's going to be. What he was pointing out was due to what happened in the fall, there is a curse. It comes with the territory. It comes with what's just been released. And so this idea that between the husband and the wife, there's going to be tension there. It's not that God created the tension, sin created the tension, the fall created the tension. God's just saying, this is going to be there, you're going to have to deal with it. So Jesus comes and he is giving us, he steps into the curse. He steps into a world that's operating under the curse. But he, though stepping into the world under the curse, he's not under the curse he's actually come to break the curse right so here he then begins to act in a way whether it's with the women as I've just spoken or it's anything else healing the sick proclaiming the Sermon on the Mount regardless of what it is Jesus comes and constantly is saying this is what life is above the curse and inviting people come in the kingdom of god has come near you the kingdom of god is not intertwined with the curse the kingdom of god is above the curse and it's it's come to liberate all of us that have been trapped by the curse right? does it make sense I, I think you guys know that i'm kind of preaching to the choir here but until we come to revelation's 22:3 no longer will there be anything accursed but the throne of God and the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. So by the, by the time we get to the end of Revelation, the curse is gone. So Jesus came between the curses that mankind is under, the beginning in the garden, and then when it's the consummation of the kingdom in the end, when the curse is lifted or broken in uh, Revelations 22. Um, now, here's a, this. This is where I want to spend some time, and it's First Peter three seven. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives with live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since there are heirs, they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. Now this verse is a favorite for some and it's not read by others (laughs) yeah and misused by all the rest so I want to I want to unpack this a little bit today Because I think it is relevant to where we are and and for us as as a church and as our culture where we don't see a difference as far as um, anointings or spiritual abilities or any of those things between male and female, um, not everybody lives with that perspective. So we have this verse. Husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel. So one thought is, if the woman is the weaker vessel, which is what the scripture says, and no matter which way, translation, no matter where you want to go with it, the word is weaker. But for women to be weaker, that's a comparison word not an absolute word. It does not say women are weak. It says women are weaker. Men are weak. Right? And women are weaker. that's, That's the comparison that's being made. We're all weak outside of, you know, with our need for God. We are all weak. We are all unable. So Peter, number one, is saying, men, look, when you're interacting with your wife, do it with understanding, realizing that you're, you're in a weaker vessel. Not that women are weak and men aren't. We're all weak. One's weaker than the other. That may not still sit well with some folk, but that's the comparison that Peter's making. So in in uh, and Paul makes a similar comparison in in. Um, uh, 1 Corinthians 7 13 to 15 you know and Paul states th- that um, in the general principle that a believing wife was not to leave an unbelieving husband although if the bond was broken by the husband she can depart from him and has no no consequences for the separation here Peter sets forth a wife's duty under the larger aspect of this weak and weaker um, environment. And he, Peter is saying, make adjustments to the woman. Make adjustments to yourself in how you're interacting with your husband. And this is the piece that I want us to, to explore. And maybe this is new, um, and maybe it's not. But in the Greek society, the wife was just a little higher than a slave. But much less than the husband's helpmeet or, you know, his dependent. So in Greek culture, now and why I'm saying this is because Peter and Paul are writing to and encouraging Gentile churches. So you have cult. You have so the gospel is now moved out of Jerusalem. It's now. Spreading throughout the Mediterranean. It's now invading foreign cultures. So as it invades foreign cultures There's certain things that it that the gospel starts to come up against in those cultures So in the Greek culture if if we're up in in Corinth and we're around that society so the way the law and and the way the society functioned was that I have a wife but in the way I look at her, she's just a little bit higher than the slaves that I have. And she has no rights. You know, for us, it's hard to separate things because in our society, thankfully, there's all kinds of legal controls and so forth. So I can't just beat my wife because I don't like what she's doing and she has no recourse right so the the law the law is there to, to provide for something that wasn't in this culture I can beat my slave I can beat my wife my slave will do what I tell him to do my wife will do what I tell him to do then the gospel comes along now women are starting to embrace the gospel well all what does the gospel bring the brought the gospel was bringing equality that's why the Romans hated the gospel they saw it as this weak anemic thing the problem was the people that were oppressed by the government were seeing it as the liberating voice that was now starting to rise up wait a minute in god there's neither jew nor gentile there's neither male nor female all are one in christ that's a revolutionary statement in this environment what do you mean, we're one? You, mean, you, can't, you can't be beaten on me. You can't do it. I, I'm a, I, I stand before God now. I'm equal to you. So this revolutionary statement now starts to come into the, the Gentile or the heathen world. Um, in the social order of Rome, A husband's power over the wife was like the father's power over child over the child unlimited irresponsible checked by no legal restrictions and so inherent that neither age nor free act nor insanity could dissolve it wives if we were living in Roman society all of us husbands have absolute and final control over you. Life and death is in my hands over my wife. And there's nothing at a legal, there's there's no recourse. There's no nothing. I can go crazy. Not even insanity dissolves it. Right? So again is trying to get into, what I'm trying to do is get us down to this place when Peter and Paul are writing, what are they actually, why are they writing this? You know, some would say, well, they, you know, those guys, they're just misogynist guys. They just hate women and want to keep women oppressed and keep women down. Actually, what they were trying to do was keep women alive. They were like, this concept of freedom, this concept of equality, this concept that in this, Event of Christ it means we're equal. Rome, before Christ, the the sexual revolution had kind of started in Rome, and by the time that uh, Christ came along, um, uh, yes, at least two centuries before the Christian era, the Roman wife wife had begun you know, to scheme her emancipation. There was the rumblings of rebellion. The wives have had enough. Now, they're powerless to do anything about it. But in powerless situations, it's always interesting how people begin to find power. I may not have it by law. I may not have it by decree. But I'll figure out how to work it. And I would say that wives in certain areas had the upper hand on how they were going to work their emancipation. I don't need to go into detail. I think we all know what I'm talking about. So now the gospel comes in, and it, and it is a gospel of liberation. But in the same way that Paul is saying to the slaves, look, if you're a slave, do your master well. Don't don't come against him. Just serve your master to the best of your ability, for Christ's sake. He Peter says the same thing to wives. Wives, if you're in this submission or if you're in this place with a um, a, a heathen husband, don't use the gospel as a, as this point of rebellion, because it won't go well with you they have the power and you don't you can come in and get in your husband's face and declare all you want this is what Jesus has done you this is who I am now you can do that and he's going to kill you that's not a wise thing to do instead what does he what does Paul say to the in, in Corinthians he said wives live with your husbands in such a way that your actions draw him to the gospel Paul is not saying his actions are okay he what he's saying is in the situation that you're in please use wisdom and let your heart be in such a way that it affects the other person not because you're in their face demanding your rights but because you're actually laying down your rights for Christ's sake that you might win them to the gospel. You know? And I, I so we take these verses and you know, we put them in today's context of our society and we we make them say what the writers weren't saying. Both Paul and Peter were saying both to, to anyone that's, you know, you're in, well, in the Roman world, what, 40, 40, like 43% of the Roman population were slaves. That's a huge population of people being owned by somebody else. Now the gospel comes in. Well, we can can try to start another war, but all they'll do is line up the crosses on the road going out of town of everybody they've crucified for leading the rebellion. That doesn't work. The gospel will work when love wins, when we come in kind of under the radar, so to speak, And you start doing good to people who don't even know what doing good is like. And when you do good to them, when you return a soft word for an angry word, when you don't come at them, even though you have full rights to do it for what they did, but you choose to submit yourself to them and bring a soft word, what does that do? That actually gives you the advantage. And it'll keep you alive most of the time. And that's, a, that's an important piece. And I just, I, you know, when I was reading through this, and I, I, I didn't start down this trail, but I got off on this rabbit trail looking through some of the commentaries and a lot of what I'm giving you um, is what I got. So, you know, it says, the, the view of the social disaster and the danger to a Christian wife who used her Christian liberty to rebel against the current family system as I already said, Peter instructs wives, in patient rego- give patient regard to the duties of where they're at, to their station, in submission for Christ's sake. And it's, we, we find ourselves there today to a much lesser degree most of the time. But even now, there's those places where I've suffered an injustice and I can rise up against that injustice. Now, in our country, we have a lot of laws that can be used to to protect me from injustice. But not everything is there a law for, and not everything will the law even get to you. So even in our country, with the battery of laws that we have, we still have injustice. So how do I live in this place of injustice? Well, one, I live from the place that ultimately God is my justice So he he is for me. He's not against me. He's working with me and he will use my Circumstances in a way that brings glory to his name And in most cases brings liberation for me, but it's going to remain It's going to require me to use wisdom and Not just let's just go do the full frontal attack. Well, that almost never works. Because in a in a societal way, a minority that tries to rise up to overthrow the government is pretty much destined to lose from the beginning because they're a minority. And the government has the power and it has the longevity to wear you out. So you can go, you know, you can go up to Masada and and make your last stand there. But ultimately, Rome just builds a city around you and waits. Because you can't, you can't be there forever, and we can wait you out. Where like with, with, um, with foundation builders, one of the things that, that we're working, we're able to do and, and we're working at doing is coming into countries that we're working in now, mainly in um, uh, um, Kenya being the, the primary example, but it's still a, um, a male-dominated society. Right? But there is the push for women to rise up. So we can come in, and in a, in a uh, under-the-radar way, we can bring women into our school. We can teach them, train them, help them rise up. Because in, in those places, the way for women to step up is economically. When the woman can begin to prosper economically, she has the legs under her at that point to go further. So once we can teach them, this is, this, is ha- this is how you run businesses, this is how you start businesses. And once that happens, then she then starts to be a voice in the community for others. And she starts to be the model to the young girls that this is what real womanhood looks like. And it doesn't have to be that way it was that way for your grandmother it was that way for me for most of my life but you get to start my dear where i leave off so come on up with me and we get to do that but if you just you know if you try to just charge that thing that monster at a political level you'll never win for us then the cool thing that we're finding is by we're not, we're not being dishonest, but by the way that we, you know, words are important. So I can take a single word and use it five different ways, which bring five different implications. So we take the words that they like to use, and we use their words. We just attach a different meaning to them. And when we do that, they think we're still using their word, and they'll put money to it. So we take their money and we put it over here to our word and accomplish what we think is the kingdom, which is empowering women, giving women opportunity, and the government ends up paying for that or some grant ends up paying for that. And we're able to we're able to do something and accomplish something that we wouldn't be able to accomplish under under other circumstances. And these verses in my mind is what Paul and Peter are saying. It's like just use wisdom we can get we can get caught up emotionally and we're ready to take somebody's head off so now we're you know i've got the i got the adrenaline going i'm ready to charge the the hill me and butch cassidy we're going to make that last stand out of the shack <laughs> well you know what happened to them it's usually what happens when that's the way we go instead they're saying wait 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 hear what god's doing get his wisdom and yes move forward yes there's going to be emancipation yes there's going to be an improvement but let's let's do it in ways that are sustainable instead of doing it in ways that are a flash in the pan and then it fails again because it wasn't there, we didn't take the time to establish the foundation and so you know, even back to you know Peter's admonition to, um, to to wives. It's like, just if you have an unreasonable husband, being unreasonable yourself isn't going to fix it. If you have an unreasonable husband, okay, Holy Spirit, what's the way in? How do I how do I begin to act differently? Now. If I, if I see myself either as a victim or I see myself as a crusader, what I just said won't work in either of those if that's how you see yourself. No, I have to see myself powerful in Christ for the pulling down of strongholds. So if there's a stronghold that's holding my husband, of which I'm having to put up with, how how do i then move in a way that that stronghold gets broken and that my husband ends up coming into the kingdom ends up having an encounter with god or if it's the wife that's unreasonable i mean it goes both ways but here they're ref- they're because of the culture that they're in wives you could be unreasonable but your life would be short husbands they could be unreasonable and have multiple wives you know, it's just a different. It was a different world, and, and so I don't. I think it's unfair to to label Paul or Peter as men who just had no regard for women, when in fact I think they're 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 just writing really strong wisdom. Going, ladies, be careful. This is a dangerous situation. You've just been set free. Freedom, when you first get it, can be very dangerous. It takes wisdom to handle freedom. The guy that's been in jail for 30 years, when you open the prison and go, there you go, you're free, they don't normally do good right away. Because the taste of freedom is something they've dreamed about for 30 years. But when you actually hold it in your hand, now it requires wisdom and responsibility. And, And we most of us fall short there. So these guys are saying, "This is the freedom of the gospel. You are in Christ. There's neither male nor female. There's neither slave nor free, Jew nor Greek. This is powerful. You are a free person in Christ Jesus. Now, don't go get yourself killed. Stay free. Learn wisdom. Please hear what we're saying. So, does that make sense? I don't quite know what that has to do with Mother's Day. But I hooked a left-hand turn at some point in my studies and I just couldn't get back. And actually, I had mercy because there's a lot more that I could have said. And I said, no, I won't. That's but anyway, <laughs> Father, I thank you. I thank you for every mother in this community. I thank you for what mothers represent, for for what they impart to us, for how our lives function better because of moms. And Lord, I thank you for the women in this community. I thank you, God, that this, this is a place where the freedom of the gospel is available, that you have come to set us free, and that those of us That have been made free are free indeed but give us wisdom in our freedom that we don't use it in ways that are self-destructive that we don't use it in ways that make situations worse instead of better lord may we be a people that in our freedom we we walk in and exhibit the fruit of the spirit in our marriage relationships in our uh, family dynamics in our workplace relationships, every place that we interact with others, Lord, may the fruit of the Spirit be what's predominant in us and, and is what people see and it's what people can eat. Because the fruit of the Spirit is designed to be eaten, not just to hang on a tree. So help us, Lord, in every aspect that we mature in you and reflect you, Jesus, to the world around us, that men and women everywhere can be free and know you as Lord and Savior, even as the, uh, the young lady that uh, was here at the exercise class. Lord, that they, through the things that we do, may people come to know you um, as friend, as Lord, uh, as the one that gave your life that we could have life. And Lord, um, I also today pray for, for Gordon Schrock, who's dealing with some blood pressure issues, low blood pressure. Lord, we just call normalcy back into his body. Uh, Lord, wisdom as they're dealing with him and, and what he needs and just complete healing in Jesus' name. And Lord, we pray for Tom. This week's been probably the roughest week of all the treatments he's had. So Lord, uh, the, the circumstances around that, uh, we just speak strongly Strength and healing to Tom for his body to to recover and to rise up we thank you Lord that you are our healer and we give you all glory in Jesus name amen 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 amen, amen, amen. well if you need prayer come up we'd love to pray for you oh yes we got to hand out the flowers There's two people that are going to do that. You could do that at this point. See, I'm not getting one, so I wasn't thinking about it. (laughs) So, If you don't like the color you got, you can trade in the cafe as you leave. Actually, we have enough. There's enough for all the for all the ladies. Yeah, all the ladies get one. Happy Mother's Day. Yeah, yay God.